0: boss man how are you doing
1: coming yeah. coming hello fellas hello oh, you're fine
0: this how are you doing how uh yeah. yeah how's appreciate. the uh road trip been for you i know that you had a fun little road trip down to miami
1: yeah well i didn't drive down there but um oh. i'm not sure if i told you guys but um you know uh, my wife and i actually uh, are property owners in florida now oh, so nice. my wife already had a uh uh, it's a long story, but, uh, I was planning to leave a truck in, uh, in Florida and then women do uh, then, never mind. At the end of the day, I had to end up driving it back and, uh, it just aligned well with the conference and everything. And I love driving. I'm not sure how everyone else feels about it. I know a lot of people hate it, but I actually don't even turn the radio on that much. And I just think about stuff. I find it's, uh, you know, you, you, you disconnect from, uh, from the world and you do some deeper thinking. So I love driving. Uh, USA is a beautiful country. Yeah, so I've driven a lot this year. I uh, And from Miami, I was in Georgia. Here's my claim to fame. I was in Georgia for the final day of the Masters. I didn't get to Ath- or, uh, Augusta, but I got to a place in Georgia, Savannah, to be exact. And then I jumped. Uh, I drove all the way from uh, Savannah back to Canada the next day. So you know what? Good time. There he is. Hello, Dr.
2: What's going on Greg? How you doing? Chris Q. What is up, up? Jeff. What's shaking?
0: Let's let's do some cooking guys. We have honest to Jeff your comment about the wizards of Oz. I had to compose myself because I was on live, but that is the funniest thing.
1: Can you share uh, with I, me? I don't know what it is. I don't fill know. The in. <laughs> you know how we talk about the
2: Oz brothers, right? Oh, the okay. Os, yeah. yeah, Os, yeah. Os, yeah And yeah, everybody's yeah. coming up with marketing things like ossification or sure, sure, whatever. Sure, sure. I, what yeah. The wizards of Oz, like the wizards yeah. of Oz, right? I love it. Yeah, the three love dudes it. behind the curtain, follow the, the orange brick road. That's what somebody said on the um, YouTube, yeah. on the YouTube channel. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I think that could work.
1: Yeah. Well, Mark is a great guy. You guys, uh, you guys, uh, you guys will uh, pull me along in your vortex. Okay. So I'll just, (laughs) uh, I'll participate and you guys can, uh, you know, you can, you can pull this fat old 58 year old along in your vortex.
0: (laughs) I'm just going to continue to push forward the rumor that you can never see all three of the Trio at the same place at the same time.
1: Well, we were, weren't we all together in uh, Miami? I mean, I think all three of us were together. We were all in Miami, but not up on stage at the same time. Never on stage, which is okay. You don't want, you know, you got to confuse the uh, opposition, right? Right. uh, (laughs) Right. But at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the day, I thought there was a picture. If we haven't pulled up a picture yet, uh, whereabouts in the United States are you, Jeff? Or are you even... Y- I'm yeah, in you're... Colorado, Colorado Springs. Oh, cool! Hey, listen, by the way, do you know Todd? Yes. Yeah. So actually, we had uh, Todd on
0: last week.
1: I'm I'm a I'm a pretty big fan of his. I know that. Uh, anyway, the point is, uh, I'm going back there, so I'm going to be hopscotching around the USA for for a little while. And uh, he's uh, he's a good man, uh, Todd Olt. So uh, uh, anyway. Um, let me reach out to you i have a, I have a, an opportunity to uh to make you happy perhaps are you looking not, for not, a
2: place to are you looking for a place to crash i can nobody put
1: you no man i'm looking <laughs> i i actually have been offered some uh some tickets some free tickets and some free accommodations and uh, all right if you're in uh colorado i mean it's not that hard to hop in a car and i bet you it's why well, it depends what part of colorado you live in but i know i drove from las vegas to aspen colorado uh, in one day and it took I don't know it didn't it take around seven hours or six hours something like that and it was a nice drive you know so yeah. uh,
2: sure well,
1: anyways, let's talk let's talk offline and that'll be the os the os squared and if uh, Mark Moss is uh, in the vicinity then we could uh, really confuse things and see if we could get all <laughs> three of us uh, in, the, in the same house but uh, yeah hey guys thanks for having me um, I, I sent out my Twitter poll uh, people actually don't mind my swearing, so I'm going to probably let a few F-bombs fly if I have to. <laughs> I, need to I need to couch that with the following uh, e- explanation, though. And like, I swear when I get excited, because if you've ever been on a trading floor when things are imploding, it's an absolute circus, and everybody, everybody is screaming and yelling, and every third word is the F-word, just because it's not fun. Uh, you know, you got salesmen who are trying to protect the clients and then you feel that the clients are working against you. So you hate your salesman, even though you're working on the same team and you're working for, he's trying to defend his salesman. And you're like, go tell your fucking account to pound sand. He's buried me on this fucking position and you're swearing and cursing. And it's just the way capitalism works, you know, but, uh, uh anyway the twitter poll came back and uh i'm i'm happy to uh to try and tell the truth cuz that's all you can do right is tell truth um and this weekend had some uh, some eye opening statements by some very influential uh noble americans um i'm referring specifically to charlie munger but at this point let's uh, the the conversation's open for discussion however you guys want it to uh to flow
0: I think it's a fair place for us to start. Like for those who are not aware, Charlie Munger did the Munger thing and essentially just him and Warren Buffett shat on Bitcoin to cheers from an audience calling upon the US legislators to follow what communist China has done as far as Bitcoin goes. And I think it's very telling, um, both for where we are as a market, but also just where the sentiment is for a certain class of people. Uh, so, Jeff, so, I'd love and,
1: and you could, Sorry, if I could jump in and we'll let sure. Jeff talk first, but he didn't just, what he used was the word evil, all right? Now, that's what I took exception with. Um, evil is certainly not what Bitcoin is. Evil is when you try and co-opt people into believing something because it is contrary to your positioning within your own portfolio. They own so many banks and legacy traditional finance platforms that are going to get carved and carved again and carved again because of Bitcoin. It's not surprising that they say what they say, but calling it evil and then defending a communist government for banning it. I mean, if I was his son, I would be like, "Okay, dad, time to get off the fucking deck. And you push that (laughs) you, you push that thing into the sidelines because he is actually destroying a quite a proud uh, history of him helping the US uh, uh, get to the number one uh, uh, spot in the global economy. And rightly so. Look, Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett have some have done some incredibly smart and good things for America. My opinion is this is not the right way for them to go out. Okay, and that's that's where I take issue with. You can have a divergence of opinion, but to outright call something evil and that many people, 40,000 pilgrimers who go to uh, Omaha to listen to him cheer, man, those poor people are going to be left behind. And yet all they want to do is participate in capitalism because that's what Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett are. At the heart, they are capitalists. Now, they have benefited from the Fiat Ponzi and the Fed backstop. There's no question But no, they are not communists at heart. And if they are truly communists at heart, oh, fuck off, okay? Because at the end of the day, then they have bled the American system and now we're promoting something that just is un-American as far as I'm concerned. Hey, and anyone who's listening, I'm Canadian, okay? We are way closer to being communists than the United States is. So I know what it feels like. So let's just make sure we understand. You can have a divergence of opinion, but to call something evil... Man, oh, man, that's just, you know, the gloves are off, okay? The Canadian hockey players are going to drop their gloves now and just have to brawl it out, and that's how you settle things. And, Jeff, sorry to jump in front of you, but, you know, that markets, you can make markets, you can do whatever you want, a buyer, seller, everything. But to use pejoratives like the word evil in the context of them being some sort of crispy Kings that have, uh, you know, certainly benefited from the Fiat backstop that is the federal reserve. I, I, I have a, an issue with that. So over to you, Jeff.
2: Well, first of all, I agree with hundred percent of what you just said, Greg. So, so, I mean, we're on the same page, obviously I, I do have, obviously I, I actually come from a very value oriented background. That's how my, my fund started. I was a, I was a, value oriented stock picker. Uh, and I ran my fund that way. And then along came Bitcoin in my life chain, but that's a, that's a story for another day. But who, I got a, I got a question for you guys who said, show me the incentive and I will show you the outcome.
0: I believe that's a Munger quote from him himself. That is Charlie
2: <laughs> Munger. And I, and that's what I tweeted out yesterday. I said, this is Charlie Munger on why Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett are anti-Bitcoin. They are incentivized to hate Bitcoin. They are incentivized to be very, very pro-US dollar, pro-fiat. You know, they've become billionaires. They're wildly successful. They played the game right. They were alive at exactly the right time in American history to get wildly, wildly wealthy and be wildly successful. And you know what? More power to them. That's that's part of capitalism, right? They made a lot of great decisions. I think it's sort of funny and I actually think it's more tragic than funny that people keep asking them their opinions on Bitcoin because of course they don't understand, right? They're incentivized to not understand. They're incentivized to hate it. And so Bitcoin changes the incentive structure for everybody who's around these, you know, no, no offense to them, but look, I'm a doctor, right? I understand how human life works. These guys aren't going to be around much longer, right? They, they may go to their graves and I'm, I'm not wishing that on them, but they will go to their graves most likely without ever understanding bitcoin and it doesn't matter for them. They're doing just fine, right? The system is just fine. They're going to die billionaires and give all their money away. Good for them. That's that's them. But for the rest of us who are going to be around for decades and for the kids, my kids these days who are teenagers, they have 80 years to go or so. They need a better structure. They don't need to be part of this collapsing fiat debacle. They don't need Keynesian economics to ruin their lives the way we're seeing it happen right now and ruin the world, literally, to fund wars, to fund crony capitalism. We don't need that structure anymore. We know that these are their their final days. Bitcoin changes everything. Uh, And so I don't really care what uh, Buffett and Munger have to say. In fact, the fact that they hate it actually just solidifies the reasons why I love it and why I'm going to keep telling people about it. So, so.
1: Yeah, and I agree, Jeff. You know, here's the thing, though, they influence so many people that for sure the sun rises out of their arsenal right i mean that's just the way that uh that uh people get uh you know addicted to the to the success or to the aura that surrounds a place like berkshire hathaway i mean you know look he's everybody's he's everybody's grandfather the guy is look I, i don't have an issue with him what i have an issue with is the context in which i there's two outcomes here they are not smart enough to understand what they are saying, which if that's in fact the case, then you shouldn't have your money with them, okay? But I believe they are smart enough to understand what they're saying. They are telling untruths though, as you said. And it's the people that they will impact, okay? They, they are gonna be fine, their, their families are gonna be just fine. And the people that have followed them thus far have done a good job in following them. I just think they're giving bad info. And again, they are not intellectually lazy. I don't think they understand it, but I think they are. It's like listening to your to research that confirms your own bias, right? It's called a confirmation bias. You are actually supposed to read research that is against the position that you hold. So you can learn as to why your position may be wrong. But everybody tends to read research that confirms their bias. So if you're long a stock, you love to read research as to why you're so smart being long this stock. The actual research you're supposed to read is the research that tells you why you were wrong for being long that stock. But people don't do that. They love to feel good about their decisions. It's like why people sell their winners and hold their losers they love to crystallize their gain and hope the losers come back but when you go to a cocktail party it's very few people that brag about how bad they've done in the stock market they all brag about their winners right and so that's part of the human nature you talk about um i worked at a hedge fund with a guy that uh he, 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 you know, he studied as much philosophy and psychology of investing as he did the numbers. He was really good at both of them. But it's when you bring in the psychological aspects of a market that you can start to break away from the traditional math based models. OK, like today's markets are broken. There's no question that the equity market is is probably on a long-term horizon right now, it's getting, I think you may have even said, it's getting to oversold levels. Um, it's panic. Did you see this weekend that the association of uh, the AAII association, American association of individual investors. So that's basically small investors came out with a poll and they run that poll every weekend in Barron's the most bearish it's ever been. Okay. And when I say that, it's rivaling March 2009, exactly when the equity markets started to come out of their funk from the great financial crisis. This is a good contrarian indicator that people are now trading with emotion rather than logic. Okay, And all of this is to say that Markets regularly get broken. You need insurance against the traditional markets. And that is what both you and I believe we have found with Bitcoin. And it pains me when people that are as smart as Charlie and Warren are, at least historically, i.e. if you drive through their rearview mirror performance, um, you know, it pains me when it appears they haven't done the work that's required to help people going forward. And so over to you.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I just completely agree with everything you say, Greg, right? So I mean, like they were they did a fantastic job for the last 80 years. And, and that's the time that they should have been long America and long the uh, fiat system. And, and now we're, we're just at a transition point right now. So, so that is not the best way pointing forward. If they wanted to really help people going forward, absolutely, they would take the time to understand what Bitcoin is and learn about it and learn about how detrimental the current fiat system is, learn that we're at the edge of collapse, learn that we're, we're seeing cracks in the foundation right now. Uh, and point people to a better way. But I just, yeah, I don't see that happening. I'm not going to hold my breath waiting for that for sure. Um, So, so here we are.
1: It's ugly. ugly. So let's talk some macro statistics. Are you okay with that? Yeah, absolutely. All right.
0: This is your show right now.
1: (laughs) Well, you know that I've spent my whole life as a, as essentially a credit trader, but you need to understand when you trade credit, really what you're trading is risk or volatility. Okay. And credit is a shitty uh, tool because it's really asymmetric to the downside. Ricardo Salinas said this at the, uh, at the, uh, co- the Bitcoin conference, but, but you gotta understand, it's, it's not quite as black and white as he lays out because when a bond is issued, it typically is issued at 100 cents on the dollar. And then the contract or the adjustment for the risk is set by the coupon on the bond, okay? In the case of the US Treasury, that basically is set on a, on a daily basis, the shape of the yield curve but I traded high yield or junk bonds my whole life. So it's all about the coupon you get on that debt that implicitly rewards you for the risk you are taking uh, over uh, straight treasury risk or inflation risk. Predominantly that credit risk is a risk uh, that compensates you for amongst other things, default risk. And then the liquidity or illiquidity of the investment. When you want to sell something, I guarantee you can't because everybody is trying to sell the bond at the same time. So Uh, It's like asymmetric to the downside in the short term, but in the long term, that incremental coupon has been proven to actually pay you for the risk provided there is no default. If there's a default, you blend that in with your whole portfolio. That was the argument for high yield bonds. So I was a volatility trader. And I always look to the credit markets as the dog, as I say, and then the equity markets are the tail because the credit markets have a prior claim on the assets of a company versus the equity. Unless the debt's worth a hundred cents on the dollar, the equity has zero claim in the event of a bankruptcy. There's usually what's called a cram down and both, you know, the equity gets a token, uh, uh, restructuring. Okay. Agree with this plan and you'll get a, uh, a a restructuring option, if you will. But long story short, bonds, as Ricardo Salinas said, in the absence of thinking about what the coupon rewards you with, what's the best thing that can happen? You get your money back, right? Like, I mean, that's what it sounds like. You invest $100 in a company for five or 10 years, And after five or 10 years, if everything goes swimmingly, you got your hundred dollars back, not including the debasement of the purchasing power over that time, but it's the same thing with the U.S. Treasury. It's all about the coupon that they uh, are set on those bonds. Well, here's some statistics, and this is scary. The VIX today, which is the volatility index on equities measured minute to minute in the United States hit 35% annualized. I need you guys to understand two things. The first thing is, and this is most important, a 35% annualized VIX translates to a daily volatility of over 2% on a daily basis, which means equity prices will swing by 2% daily. And the way you get that for anyone who cares is you divide the VIX by the square root of 256, which is the number of trading days in the year. So 36 divided by 16 gives you your daily vol. Okay, you got to understand that a 2% swing in equity prices is almost equivalent to the 10-year yield on the bond, which means if you own bonds and stocks and your your equity is swinging around 2% and your yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury is only 3%, you have a bad day trading equities, and you've given up more than half of your coupon on your bond. Okay, second, and equally as important, new issue markets are closed when VIX is over 25%. That's just my uh, experience over my career that new issue markets close when the VIX gets over 25%. Again, today it's at 35%, which essentially means. New issue markets are closed. Access to growth capital is shut. Companies that have growth opportunities and want to fund themselves and help the American economy expand do not have access to that public funding. New issue markets are shut when the VIX is over 25. Things are ugly out there. And Jeff, how many times has the Fed raised so far? Oh, you're still on mute. I'll answer my own question. Once. OK, now, the cre- there you go, brother. Now, here's the crazy thing. They're going to raise another nine times. Aha, fuck. Are you kidding me? This isn't even in the context of how stupid people can be to believe that that's actually possible. But we got the Goldman Sachs out there. You know, as they said on that, uh, w- there was a great parody, the Goldman Sachs or whatever they called them, but they, the German guy that was in imp- 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 impression, you know, the Goldman Sachs are out there as the mouthpiece for the Fed to try and jawbone the markets into believing this. There's no one at Goldman that actually believes they have nine interest rate hikes right. in them before the equity markets absolutely implode. And a quantitative easing actually has to be put back on the table. OK, that, again, is the the, the uh, Fed using Goldman Sachs as their mouthpiece to try and jawbone the market into believing this is possible. There's an old adage, and over to you after this, Jeff, I promise. It's called uh, three hikes and a stumble, okay? That's it, Google it, three hikes and a stumble. And it's a historical adage in the, the financial markets that applies to Fed rate hikes. Now. You know, there's, whether it's 25 basis points or 50 basis points, I promise you if it's 75 basis points, two successive 75 basis points hikes, okay, see ya, bye, oh. it's over, you guys are done, baked, cooked, see ya, see ya, see ya. That being said, they're still trying to job on the markets there. So look, bonds are the most horrible investment I've ever seen still, and they've lost in the last month 10% of their value in the long end, Okay and they have another 20% of value to lose if the Fed sticks to their plan. The good news is I don't think the Fed can stick to their plan, which means QE infinity, which means any reason that you would buy bonds here, you have twice the reason to buy Bitcoin because anything that'll float the bond back on side will be twice as impactful to the Bitcoin price, in my opinion because that's what Bitcoin is. It is credit protection against infinite printing by the Fed. And guess what? The equity markets are begging for infinite printing. And who owns the pensions of the common American? Well, the voters. And if they all of a sudden see that their pension plans are unfunded or underfunded because the equity markets have just lost 22% in the first quarter, the worst start ever in history of the NASDAQ, okay? 22% down in the first quarter. If you're a pensioner and you you call up your local congressman and you're like, I was counting on retiring and now my pension plan isn't fully funded. What the absolute F. This is after one rate hike. Sorry, Jeff, over to you, brother.
2: Don't be sorry, Greg. I could, I could listen to you talk about this stuff all day. It's fantastic. And I and again, I agree with you. That's the problem, right? You're you're just confirming all of my biases as well. So that's not very helpful. But I agree with you. I think, you know, the Fed is going to I think they're absolutely going to raise rates this week, right? So 50 bips, maybe 75 bips. Will they do it again at the next meeting? Probably. What will the markets do? They're going to flip out, right? They're going to tank. And and that's what people keep asking me. They're like, you're Dr. Bear. You're so bearish. How could you how could you be bearish? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you guys, there is nothing good on the horizon right now. The economy sucks. Look at what the companies are saying. They just reported Q1 earnings. They were terrible. And guess what they're saying? Q2 earnings, they're going to be even more terrible. Why? The economy sucks right now. And the Fed is tightening right now, right? Inflation is high. We've probably peaked though. And we can talk about that if that's something you want to talk about. I think we're close to a peak right now. It's probable that the next, the uh, April number when it gets released is somewhere around maybe eight and a half percent. Who knows? Maybe a little lower, maybe a little higher, but somewhere around there. I think we're at or near the peak. When you have the combination, and I keep saying this, of disinflation and a decelerating GDP, a decelerating economy, risk on assets hate that. What does that mean? Stocks go down. They've gone down already. They can go down further. They are still very highly valued. Tech stocks are still overvalued. You think Shopify is bad because it's gone down 70 to 75%, it can drop another 50% and it would still be a little bit overvalued. So careful, like careful about buying what you think is the bottom right now. Oh, so that's, I w- the,
1: that's our most valuable tech stock in Canada, Jeff. You can't do that. You I'm can't sorry. do that to us sorry, Canadians. Greg.
2: <laughs> Let's keep it into the US here. Let's talk about Apple. Apple, everybody owns Apple, right? Apple is still overvalued, you guys. Apple is an awesome company. I like Apple. I use Apple products. I'm talking on an iMac right now. But you know what? Apple can go down further too. All of these things that we've seen as safe haven assets over the last decade since the Fed began pumping back in uh, 2009, 2010, they have further to fall. They have been just going, their valuations have been increasing, 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 even though their earnings have not kept up with their valuations. So what we're seeing here is a devaluing of these currency, a revaluation of these uh, stocks. And they have further to fall. So if the if the economy continues to look bad, people are not going to go for a tech company with a price to sales ratio of 20 or 25 or even 15 or 10. Those are obnoxious valuations that we got used to over the past five, 10 years. They're still way too high. They still have further to fall. To Greg's point, if the Fed keeps trying to tighten to fight inflation, the markets are going to have an absolute tantrum. And then to Greg's point again, sorry, I'm just not trying to be a yes man, but I just agree with everything you say. The Fed is their lock. They've painted themselves in a corner. They have to do QE again. QE4, I'm telling people, it will absolutely put QE1, 2, and 3 to shame. It will be so much bigger. You won't even notice those little blips. If we look back in history, when you see QE4 and how much they're going to add to the balance sheet, it is going to absolutely dwarf those. Assets are going to take off again. They're going to get just inflated to just obnoxious prices. You guys, the only thing to get out of this obnoxious, crazy circus world system that we're in is Bitcoin. I just beg you to get some in your portfolio. If you don't have any, get off zero, get to 1%. Even 1% will save your portfolio. Um, I'll stop there, Greg. I know Good, you are buddy. So
1: listen, I, I just want to hit on a few things. Um, you mentioned price to sales multiples. I'm sure that Uh, you know, there are certain stocks trading at a 20 price to sales, but in the case of Apple, let's be honest, it's like two or three times price to sales. You might've been referring to their price earnings ratio at that point, but there's lots of stupid stuff that is trading at 20 times sales. Uh, but those things have already been crushed so badly. You don't have to worry about that. Um, what I want to mention though, a couple of excellent points you brought up. Okay. Let's assume that the CPI number is correct. Okay, at eight and a half percent annual, not the double digit that it could possibly be measured as if you go back to the shadow stats and everything. I agree that it's there's a chance that inflation has peaked, but inflation compounds. This is what people don't understand, that eight and a half going down to six and a half is not a victory. Okay, eight and a half in your first year and six and a half in your second year, that's disinflation. But over two years, that is over 16, one six percent compounded. okay? Because much like they said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world, the same mathematics works for inflation. And something that starts at 8.5%, goes to 6.5%, goes to 5%, goes to 3%, goes to negative 3%, which is deflationary once you're there, By the way, the capitalist system does not deal well with deflationary numbers because the banking system itself starts to collapse. Point being eight and a half, down to six and a half, down to five, down to three, down to one, down to negative two, down to negative two. You do that math. You are still something like 3% annualized, okay? Inflation, that's still above the Fed's target over that period of seven years that I've just laid out. That's not a good outcome. OK, deflation and disinflation, maybe it peaked, but it compounds. That's very uh, important. And and it's the laws of mathematics. OK, so never fight math.
2: And can um, I jump in here real quick? Yeah, Greg? Sure, what sure. I like to remind people, because it, we talk about inflation a lot and economists throw that term around. It's it's sometimes people get confused by what exactly that means, because a lot of people don't really get it. What we're talking about here, you guys is think of it as just you're losing your purchasing power. What does it mean to lose your purchasing power? Life gets more expensive. Have you noticed that groceries at the grocery store are more expensive? Gas is more expensive. College tuition is more expensive. Pick anything and it's more expensive. Why? Inflation. That's monetary currency debasement. To Greg's point, when you lose, we lost 8.5% year over year uh, as of March. And even if we see disinflation, even if inflation comes down, you see that on the headline numbers, that money is gone forever. That purchasing power is gone forever. So even if it goes down to, say, 5% by the end of this year or 3% two years from now, who knows? You still have lost that forever. Life is that much more expensive, and that's the new plateau. And then it's going to still keep creeping higher, even if inflation keeps coming down. Life is still getting more and more expensive year after year after year. Okay. Take Perfect. It from there. Uh,
1: then that's exactly what I was trying to say and uh, not as eloquent terms, but yes, life is still getting more and more expensive. So the final thing I wanted to hit on is uh, the way that they jawboned the absolutely horrendous Q1 uh, GDP number that was a contraction in the economy. Okay. And this is outrageous. This is a contraction in the economy after three months, which I will remind your listeners what a definition of a recession is, is two consecutive quarters of economic contraction. Well, we've already put one in the books, okay? We're already halfway to a recession as defined being two consecutive quarters of contraction. Oh, it was all because of the trade deficit. So don't worry, everything's going to be fine. I'm going to throw out at you, yes, and interest (laughs) rates were only 1%. Only at one interest rate increase that happened. And now you're talking about doing another seven or eight. Come on, guys. This is such blatant lying right to you. And then, oh, well, it's Putin's fault. OK, so, you know, i just sick to my stomach with all these talking heads lying to the people. I have to bring up my friends at Berkshire Hathaway as well. I don't believe they are telling the truth as they know it, but they are—they're uh, allowed to say whatever they say. But to use the word "evil," I think the word "evil" actually applies to some of these uh, statisticians and how they interpret the um, uh, the the result, the Q1 result. This was an outlier. Everyone was expecting growth, and it comes in negative And they talk about it like, "Oh, it was just because of the trade deficit." Yeah exactly the trade deficit (laughs) and the dollar has done nothing but strengthen since then that uh, an increasing dollar does not make your trade deficit gets better it makes it get worse because foreign foreign uh products become less expensive and your own products become more expensive on a global market that's what happens when the value of your fiat increases relative to the other shit coins in the world All theats are shit coins, quoting Ricardo Salinas, my, you know, partner on stage who, my God, if you don't listen to what four billionaires have to say in as succinct terms as they can, if you guys want to run into the wall and listen to Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett, at least balance it with other billionaires who see things opposite of Charlie Munger. And if you still want to cheer a room full of Midwestern Nebraska people, Good on you. I suggest you open your eyes and ears to what's really going on in the rest of the world, including the four people I was on stage with in Bitcoin Miami. Uh, Three of them don't live in the United States. They've experienced things that most United States people don't experience. Why? Because the USA is still the most privileged and strongest economy in the world. Rightly so, but you guys are doing a hell of a job of fucking it right up, okay? And I don't want that to be the case, but you really are fucking it right up.
2: I love it. Right, so, And one quick point, let's go back to talking about the recession. You guys know I've been bearish, right? I've been just blatantly bearish about what the economy is going to do, all this, and what stocks are going to do, risk on assets. I did not expect a negative GDP in Q1. That took me by surprise. So it was even more bearish than I thought it was gonna be. That's saying something. I was talking about, I'm bearish now. I think the second quarter is gonna suck. I don't think we're gonna have a recession until as late as Q4 2022, maybe maybe sometime early 2023. Look, you guys, we might be in a recession right now. You often don't know you're in one because you have to get to that second quarter of uh, contraction in order to kind of officially declare a recession things are bad out there right now, you guys. The system is crumbling right before your eyes. It's getting weak and the Fed is tightening. That is not the time to tighten. You don't tighten into weakness or you cause things to literally crash down. A 50% drop in equities during a recession is not abnormal. That's actually kind of normal. So, Again, you guys, be very careful about what's going on. Think about downside protection. Think about hedging yourself. Think about long-term protection against a collapsing fiat system with Bitcoin. It is the ultimate hedge. It's the ultimate insurance against a collapsing fiat system. And we're seeing this. We're gonna have more and more opportunities. You guys, Bitcoin is so dirt cheap right now compared to how expensive it should be because of the value that it offers trade your dirty cuck bucks into Bitcoin as, as quickly as you can. Not individual investment advice, just my opinion. I'm sorry. But while that has value, trade it in for some Bitcoin. Please, please, please. I'll stop.
1: Greg? Not a boy. No. And let's just, uh, you got to build on facts. Today, I'm not sure how many people saw it. There was a momentary flash crash in Europe. Okay. European Predominantly, uh, Norwegian or uh, whatever they call that part of the world, uh, I should know because I'm from Norway. Scandinavian uh, uh, stock indices dropped by 8% on a flash crash. Flash crashes don't typically happen when liquidity is being injected into the market. Flash crashes happen when either a fat finger hits the wrong key Or there's no bid in the market because people don't really wanna buy anything. In fact, they have to sell stuff, okay? So as a trader, sometimes you try and build up your position by saying you put in a big bid, but the reality is you're trying to sell something and you wanna fake out the market that there's a big buyer when in fact, all you're trying to do is get some uh, buyer to step in front of you so you can fill his boots and meet your margin call, okay? When all those bids evaporate out of the market, Things flash crash. Well, today, there was a fast flash crash in Scandinavia. It's reported by the Wall Street Journal. I wasn't trading it. I don't have global positions anymore in my books. That being said, I do know what it feels like when liquidity is being withdrawn from the system, and that's when things break, okay? I made a quote on Friday. Here's a little joke, right? What's the last thing that goes through a bee's brain when uh, it hits your windshield. Have you heard, you guys heard that joke? Y- his asshole. Okay. So the bee's <laughs> asshole goes through his brain. Okay. And I said that the clothes on Friday was like a bee hitting your windshield, right? Poof. And that the, the poor guy's asshole goes through his brain, right? And that's what the clothes felt like, felt like on Friday. Today it feels like you're running into a flock of seagulls in your truck, okay? (laughs) Fucking seagulls are bouncing off your windshield, okay? And you just don't get what it's like being on a trading floor when you're driving through a flock of seagulls and everyone's trying to fuck you sideways, okay? And your salesman's trying to fuck you, even though you're on the same team as him because he's trying to get one of his accounts out of a fucking shit position that hey, Foss, don't you remember? You sold this fucker the shit position. And I'm like, he's stupid enough to buy it. Now, both tell him to fuck himself and all of a sudden you're like in a war of words and seagulls are hitting your fucking windshield left right and center and guess what that's what happens when liquidity gets taken out of the system (laughs) and we've only done one rate hike are you kidding me this is hilarious this is clown world central this is fucking moronic and you have charlie munger saying but everything's going to be fine because you know We're protecting the Federal Reserve. They're the arseholes that got us into this problem, okay? So get your protection. Don't listen to these guys. And when you drive through a flock of seagulls, sort of giggle to yourself and say, boy, are these birds ever stupid, right? Like they set themselves up for this thing. They're pretending they're going to raise rates and you'll be able to drive down the beach uh, with no seagulls. No, 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 no. You're going to be smashing into seagulls and then you're going to start hitting canadian geese and then you're probably going to start hitting some people that can't get out of the fucking way and you're going to be bouncing fat beachgoers off your windshield this is ugliness jim kramer had a rant on cnbc in 2007 eloquently rephrased or not rephrased but re brought up this weekend by zero hedge they have no idea what's going on out there Look up this rant, okay, 2007, Jim Craven. They know nothing. Now, Kramer knows nothing as well, but he does know how to read markets. And when he had that rant, he was absolutely right. What did it succeed in doing? It taught the equity market into getting the Fed to ease going into the great financial crisis. The equity market traded up for about two months after the Kramer, or I call him Kramer, the Kramer rant, Equity guys felt good, guess what? Credit was going in exactly the wrong direction. You gotta watch credit. And in October of 2007, it gave up the ghost, okay? Even though the Fed eased and the the equity markets were all happy for a little while, 10 months later, the world almost unraveled. And I'm gonna throw out one final stat for you. The TARP, the Troubled Asset Relief Program was less than a $1 trillion rescue package. Jeff mentioned that the next one is, well, Biden's just announced some multiple of trillion dollar deficit uh, uh, spending uh, as a a relief, and we weren't even in a recession. What is the next one going to require? That's what Jeff says. Think about the size of the next package that is going to require to move the needle again, and why are tech stocks with multiples that there was nothing else to buy so you had to buy your growth in tech stocks those multiples are coming down things are not looking good people good call jeff on the you know the the irrational exuberance that was in the markets the aaii is not wrong but my my thought is i thought today would be a little bit of a bounce and the markets haven't closed yet and i'm not looking at it but I imagine the vol, the, the VIX is still around 35%. If it is, watch it into the close. And we got Tuesday, turned around Tuesday, and then we got fed Wednesday. And the week is, you know, it, it's like not even, anyway, the the seagulls are going to be bashing off your window, okay, guys? Uh, uh, it's never fun. My wife once drove through a, a flock of uh, of, uh uh blackbirds on the side of the highway and she was crushed for like the sound of it hitting your truck and and bouncing off your truck it's sickening as as these birds go flying everywhere but i've also driven into a canada goose that shattered my windshield these are big things okay Mm -hmm. these are not bumblebees we are talking about driving through birds now okay and it'll soon be even bigger so uh position your portfolio accordingly. Uh, It is ugly. And I think that James or uh, Jerome Powell, he's probably on about the 16th hole right now. So he's going to actually probably have to figure out what he's going to do within the next couple of days. Uh, Even though that's baked into the cards. Yes, Jeff, I think he absolutely has to raise, but honestly, it's like, no, they shouldn't raise, but how much more can they cut? They can't. So QE infinity, uh, pure math. uh, Yeah. Thanks. That was the
2: best analogy. I was, I was actually crying. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> Just picturing the thump, 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 the birds hitting the windshield. Um, yes, great point. Uh, what, I, I had lots of thoughts while you were talking about that. Another thought I had was I'm old enough. I'm 47. When I was a kid, I remember when governments were talking about millions of dollars and then i remember when it switched to billions of dollars being you know sizable packages and then in the during the financial crisis that was the first time we considered trillions of dollars and you know what we're going to be at quadrillions pretty soon because that's how quickly our currency is debasing that's fully intentional that's fully the effect of money printing right and so there's more of that to come there's more of this just obnoxious Um, paint yourself in the corner, Fed trying to get itself out of a problem by adding to a problem. That's just not how you fix a problem. You don't fix this just massive debt sinkhole that you're in by printing more money. You only make it worse until people completely lose confidence in your currency and the currency starts to collapse. It's not going to happen in the U.S. anytime soon. But as I believe it's I heard I learned this from you, uh, this analogy too, Greg, the U.S. dollar is the best looking crack house on the crack street there are many government fiat currencies that are going to go down this decade, maybe even this year, look at what the Japanese yen is doing. It is just getting hammered right now. Um, and we're not far behind that same kind of trajectory, the Canadian dollar. It's a, I love Canada, but man, that's going to go down well before the United States dollar as well. This is ugly guys. This is an ugly decade and we are going to have a tumultuous decade. So you got to kind of pay attention and know what you're doing. Um, Yeah. Hey, Greg, I have something I want to talk to you about too, if that's okay with uh, Q and Chris, but the correlation with Bitcoin and the NASDAQ, right? It's about 90%, 90 plus percent. When people get fearful, they hit the sell button, right? And everything, the correlation of basically everything goes to one, especially risk on assets, we both know, we, all of us here know that Bitcoin is the world's ultimate safe haven asset. It should be where people flock to when they're scared, right? But instead, the majority of market participants still consider Bitcoin to be kind of like a small tech stock. They think of it like a Shopify that was up at you know a price to sales ratio of 20 or 25 or 30. And so they sell that quickly when they get concerned. How does Bitcoin break that correlation? I know that it's a matter of education. I know that it's probably going to take years. I'm I'm getting antsy though, right? I want to see it happen right now. I want Bitcoin to completely decouple uh, from the markets. And, and for um, the equities, I don't care if they fall and get burned. They should yeah. crash and burn for a while. I want to see Bitcoin to be the, the sole survivor to take over that role from the U.S. dollar. When do you see as a time frame for where we could actually see a true decoupling?
1: Yeah, great question. So I don't know where Bitcoin is right now. Uh, I actually, word of honor, I haven't checked the price of Bitcoin today. But I have followed BITO on the uh, the equity markets, and that's a cash settled Bitcoin uh, ETF, as you know, uh, futures ETF. Futures, um, yeah, the, the cash settled futures Bitcoin ETF, and I can see the correlation between the Algos trading volatility, which translates to the uh, which translates to the equity markets increasing vol typically means equity markets are going down and how these algos are trying to uh, gain protection by selling another asset that they believe and this is algos that are programmed by computer uh, by humans rather don't forget there is some artificial intelligence programming that goes on but ultimately it's the humans that start them off with that. That that belief, Bitcoin is a risk asset, therefore it should trade in correlation with the other risk assets. The problem is the humans that are programming it are basing it on a rear view mirror of uh, of a limited time frame. The problem also is that cash settled futures uh, and the creation redemption uh, feature in the ETF allow the computers to trade this uh, on a daily basis and not carry their futures position through uh, to the end of the day. So but I like seeing it and I like to pretend I understand what's going on in the markets. Um, and there are times when I think Bitcoin has held up very well uh, in the context of selling of other risk assets. But when does it happen full on? I can only tell you that my time frame in, for holding Bitcoin is for my entire life. And I think it'll happen within my entire life. Now, that won't be enough for you, got, a lot of people out there. But you got to be careful what you wish for, because ultimately, you actually want the price of Bitcoin to be held down. Uh, because you want to buy more of it, okay? And it's not just me. It's people in the world that really need Bitcoin. So it's the less privileged third world country. So in that respect, I'm not upset about it. I joke, uh, you know, smile. These computers are, are allowing you to, or algo trading re- algorithms are allowing you to, to stack more uh, cheap uh, Bitcoin. But when does it change? All I can tell you is being on stage with Orlando Bravo, was an eye-opening experience for me in Miami because he is a $100 billion private equity fund that has clients that are the biggest asset allocators in the world, sovereign wealth funds from all around the world. And he says they are dying to get in. So that coupled with fidelity investment rep- uh, research that shows that the, 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 there's Bitcoin and then there's shit coins and Bitcoin is the only digital asset that solves the Fiat Ponzi I think over time, Jeff, it happens. But here's my experience of being a hedge fund manager. And we used a little bit of leverage, but we were also hostage to redemptions from our clients. And by the way, clients are always selling when they should be buying and they're always buying when they should be selling. OK, so they get you to back yourself. It's called uh, that, you know, the weight of money. It's uh, it's it's as as, as your fund gets bigger, you have to add to the same things you've been adding to, which is the Kathy Woods uh, uh, experience right now. Like she pushed some of these crazy stocks to uh, uh, unsustainable price to sales multiples mm-hmm. just because people were throwing money at her. Okay. At a hedge fund, let's say you, you use leverage and your margin clerk comes to you and it's 2 p.m. on a, uh, on a, on a you know, trading day. And he says, FOSS. Uh, we're getting a rush of redemptions. You need to raise 20 million bucks by the end of the day. And you're like, fuck, the only thing there's a bid for is my shorts. Okay. The, Cause everybody's short all the same shit. So the only thing that has a bid is the same stuff you're already short. Okay. Cause you typically short things like the index because it's easy to short the index. And then you hold individual stocks against the index and you you know, that Delta is widening. So then you have to unwind a little bit at at uncomfortable levels. The point is a tap on the shoulder from your margin clerk is not a happy experience. And then you don't sell what you want to, you sell what you can. And sometimes what you sell is your most valuable stuff, which is Bitcoin, sometimes. Now, there's not enough Bitcoin in the markets to truly blame that on the selling from the hedge funds. A trillion dollar asset in the context of a $900 trillion global U.S. financial assets in total, Bitcoin shouldn't be getting the shit kicked out of it. But it does because on the one hand, you have the algos. okay. On the other hand, trading the cash settled futures ETF. On the other hand, you have hedge funds that have positions in Bitcoin mining stocks and might be actually short Bitcoin against them and playing the beta, the alpha rather, between the performance of Bitcoin and the performance of the mining stocks. Now look what the performance of the mining stocks versus Bitcoin has been over the last three months. Horrible, right? Bitcoin miners have grossly, publicly traded Bitcoin miners have grossly underperformed the performance of Bitcoin. Well, do you think there's some new hedge funds that come out and say, now I'm gonna buy Bitcoin miners, and I'm going to short Bitcoin itself. All I'm trying to say is, you can get hedged and wedged in so many different ways. And when you get that tap on the shoulder from the margin clerk, you're like, oh, for God's sakes, the last thing I needed is to get redeemed when my positions are already working against me. Okay. And that's what causes illiquidity unwinds or basically, you know, the risk off mentality. You don't sell what you want to, you sell what you can. Because Mm -hmm. guess what? Your client needs 20 million bucks. And if you don't have 20 million bucks, you need to gate your fund. And when you gate your fund, people say, I thought you said your fund was liquid and you gated it. Now I can't get my money back. So you don't have a business anymore because you just gated your hedge fund. Okay. And it is just a big circular I'm not going to use the word, but I guess I have to. It's circle jerk, right? It's fucking everyone's sitting around the table trying to outsmart everybody else in terms of this big circle jerk. And that's what happens in the trading markets on a daily basis. But you stretch that out over the longer term, Jeff. Fidelity believes that it's insurance. I believe it's credit insurance on a basket of fiat currencies. Uh, When you own insurance, you are actually you own a long volatility asset. When you're short credit, you are long volatility, which means as vol increases over time, that should make Bitcoin more valuable, not less valuable. But in the interim, all these other dynamics are coming into play. So to summarize, I will give a target, but not a time, or I will give you a time, but not a target. Okay, I'm gonna give you a time, but not a target. By the end of 2022, it will be better. <laughs> is that fair? <laughs> it will be better. I'm not saying it'll totally unwind, but it will be better. That's my, and then if you say how to, how long until it, uh, it it unwinds, you know, until there really is a negative correlation between, uh, uh, you know, the NASDAQ and, uh, and your insurance, uh, I'm, you know, within my kid's lifetime. I, I know it's going to be way shorter than that, but look, don't back me into a corner, people. Yep. I know you're not trying to, Jeff um try and extend your time horizon you try you got to chill out you got to be happy that you can purchase insurance at extremely cheap levels as you've already pointed out and then my tagline don't overthink this people it's a rounding error in the context of the bigger picture don't get too fancy dca dollar cost average when the price is going up dollar cost average when the price is going down i'll talk to you guys in 20 years
2: love it hey we should bring it back cute we've we've gone on a what an hour-long tangent now do you have a question for us or anything
0: i mean i do but at the same time i joked with chris i was like do i need to ask a question (laughs) um i love the fact that you stole my favorite question and i'm grateful for it and foss you brought up something that i kind of want you guys to really dive deeper into but all of these indices S&P, Russell 2000, NASDAQ, anything else, Dow included, have the same number-go-up technology rooted in the algorithm designed to build up these index, index, indices. The 30 stocks that Dow started with, they're not the 30 stocks that are in there today. The stocks that the Nasdaq started with are not the stocks that the Nasdaq started with today. So I'm kind of curious about this idea that the number go up technology exists in the stock market, and then you have it with Bitcoin as well. It feels to me like that feeds into the correlation. So I kind of want to present the question back to you, Jeff, of what are you looking for as far as decoupling and where or when are your expectations being set for that?
2: Yeah, sure. So that's a, that's a great question. And that's this question I get asked all the time, too. That's why I, I tried to get Foss to answer it so he could uh, give me some tips. But, um, you know, I actually think it comes down to education. I really do. I think that they're correlated because people still don't understand what Bitcoin is. They think of it. And these, these are huge institutional investors that manage billions of dollars they think of Bitcoin and they sort of lump it together with crypto, which shows that they don't understand it because they think of it as all the same. And they lump all that together with basically venture capital slash small tech stocks. And so whenever they see that clump of things and they're holding onto that and they see market conditions deteriorate, they that's what they sell first. And so that's why we see the sell down in innovation stocks and growth stocks and tech stocks and small cap stocks and Bitcoin, although Bitcoin has held up but it's still tightly correlated. So I think it comes down to education. What is the answer? The answer is more education, right? We need to continue to teach people what Bitcoin is. We need to teach people that it's just simply better money. It's not a tech stock. It's not a little VC company like basically all of crypto, all of altcoins are. I just think that's venture capital. That's mark to market. 24-7, 24-7, 365. People love to play it. It's basically like a casino. They have no moats, right? No protective moats. Anybody can get in. All you need is a white paper and a salesman. It reminds me of what I think Mark Twain used to call a gold mine, right? A liar standing next to a hole. I think of that for most of altcoins. It's it's a liar or a marketer standing next to a white paper. They have basically no substance, but hey, if you if you tell me you're the new altcoin that's going to be better than Bitcoin, quote unquote, I'll throw a billion dollars at you. I'll throw a million dollars at you. You know, I'll, I'll promote that on Twitter and jack up the price and then rug pull you and walk away with a bunch of money. So I hate seeing that, but I think because people are like that, right? There's always going to be speculators. There's going to be people who like to trade things and collect stupid things. I think the altcoin market might stick around for a while because of that, because it's hard to change human nature. I personally don't care. I think to me, that's just a complete distraction to what's going on with Bitcoin. The whole Bitcoin is better money. It's a movement that's literally going to change the world. It's a parallel financial system that we can jump off of the current fiat garbage, jump onto this arc over here and start a much better life. And and I think start the age of legends for our kids and grandkids and their kids. We're just going to have a much better world based on this system. So, I'm totally like digressing from your question, but that's what I think. I think it all comes down to education. I think the reason all of us are here today and we go on Twitter spaces and on, uh, you know, FinTwit and wherever we go to talk to people and why we had 25,000 people at the Bitcoin conference in Miami, which was fantastic, by the way. Nice job, guys. Um, the reason why we're all here and giving up our time to do this, it's about education. It's about teaching people about a better way, about a better money. And you can get off of that circus and escape from that circus and get onto the Bitcoin standard and it will change your life for the better. So that's what I'm here for. And I think that's why we're all here, uh, is we're trying to educate the masses.
1: So, uh, yeah, great, uh, great point. Uh, can I add that, uh, 25,000 Americans is equivalent to 30,000 Canadians. Once you incorporate the exchange rate. Okay. So (laughs) I think there was closer to 30,000 people. Uh, and, uh, that's Canadian math. Okay. But, uh, Here's the other thing. Uh, yeah, education is so key. And here's the shameless plug for my uh, the the platform I'm involved in, uh, and Bitcoin Magazine has been very helpful in that too. It's called LookingGlassEducation.com. It is a free education platform for people around the world that aren't being taught what they need to learn because the traditional education system has no interest in educating students that. The commercial banks where they, their parents hold their deposits are regularly insolvent when we have these uh, economic crashes, okay? I remind you that I started working for Canada's largest bank, the Royal Bank of Canada, in 1988, directly for the CFO. I was working for him, and the Latin American debt crisis had caused an issue such that the Royal Bank of Canada was actually insolvent. And I went to him, and I'm like, Emil, and he's a great guy, okay? He's sort of like Charlie Munger, though. Like, you know, he, he was old. And I go, Emil, we have a problem. And he goes, I know, don't tell anybody. Like, what the fuck? Don't tell people that have their deposits in the Royal Bank of Canada that the largest financial institution in Canada is actually on its way to bankruptcy. And, you know, they weren't the only one. Exactly the same thing. It was with all the money center banks in New York City. That's why. Treasury Secretary Nicholas Brady had to solve the Latin American debt crisis using his Brady plan. That's where I got my start, people. 1988, my first project was trading Latin American debt. I often say, in my history, Argentina, which defaulted back in 1986, has defaulted four times since then. There's never been a 30-year bond from Argentina that's actually matured. That's sort of funny and it's sort of not. Okay, because Argentina is a G20 country, for God's sakes. And we can we can, you know, just say, oh, well, whatever. It's a G20. And these people, it's endemic. It's not endemic. It is a problem with a strengthening U.S. dollar. When people run to safety, they tend to run to the best crack house on the crack street. Okay, so they all run to the same crack house. The problem is that crack house causes all the other crack houses to have to close down and restructure. A strengthening U.S. dollar is 100% correlated to emerging market blowups. And the U.S. dollar has strengthened so precipitously lately, you think that the emerging markets are not under extreme duress right now and that the trade deficit with the U.S. is actually going to get worse. Well... I'm expecting, and Jeff, you said we may be in recession. Well, technically, I'm changing the definition of recession to one quarter of contraction. <laughs> so fuck you guys. You take this arbitrary definition of recession as being two, two quarters. Okay, how about we call it like it is? The economy shrank last quarter. It shrank. I need to say that again. It shrank. Okay? And yet the global fiat debt Ponzi did nothing but explode bigger, which means your tax base got worse because the economy shrank and your debt burden got bigger because of the interest coupon on the debt. Pure mathematics. All fiats are debasing. It's just a race to the bottom. The U.S. will be one of the last currencies to fail, but ultimately all fiat currencies fail. Canada will fail before the United States. That doesn't make me happy. If Canada adopts the Bitcoin standard before the U.S. does, it would make me so happy because it would be Canada's insurance policy. I I don't want the USA to fail. I love the country. I've been to school there. You guys know that story. Uh, I love the USA as a bastion of freedom. We need to develop a parallel network. It is called Bitcoin. Okay. Uh, Why, though, do we have people that talk down Bitcoin? The Gary Blacks of the world. An equity clown that came out of Goldman Sachs without understanding credit, who talks down Bitcoin as a long duration tech stock, essentially. Uh, Do you think Gary might be short Bitcoin? Do you think Gary might be the guy that's trying to hedge his foolish equity positions with Bitcoin and trying to tell the algos in New York City, hey, man, you got to trade this against Bitcoin, you know, because, you know, it's a long duration tech stock. So they program their uh, their computers to help Gary Black's thesis come to fruition. The problem is he spent zero time studying credit. Okay, credit makes the world go round. Credit is why inflation is necessary in a capitalist system, because credit leveraging means the collateral that you've lent money against. As long as there's inflation, the value of that collateral increases and you can leverage that capital. As you know a bank holds less than $6 of equity absorbing risk capital against a $100 loan. The other $94 comes from depositors money. So when the CFO of one of Can or Canada's largest institution and one of the top 20 banks in the world says don't tell anybody, that better open your friggin eyes and it did to me in 1988 and I finally found bitcoin for being what it is a an insurance contract on the fiat ponzi that starts with banking it extends to cfos that don't want you to tell anybody and it extends to risk managers in omaha nebraska that own all the bank stocks and therefore don't want you to uh buy your insurance so they call it evil okay man oh man this is just getting even worse by the day as these conflicted old fucks try and talk people into their position. Don't listen to these people, study the reality of the world again lookingglasseducation.com proud to be part of that platform. Um, it's already being translated into Spanish, guys. Nice. And I'm so proud of that. And by the way, it's also donated a 40,000 US dollars to the El Salvador school system to try and help the kids in El Salvador understand what education and Bitcoin can do to change their futures. And quite honestly, right now, I really want third world and lesser privileged people to join, join the benefits of Bitcoin and the price being suppressed by the likes of Gary Black and, and, uh, and uh, Charlie Munger, who are giving conflicted information either because they're intellectually lazy or giving conflicted information because they want, um, uh, it, you know, they, they, they're intellectually lazy or they are conflicted um, either way. It's not a bad thing. It's a rounding error I, you know, the title. And, and by the way, we haven't even addressed this. Did either one of us caught a call for Bitcoin to go for to, to 30,000, which I don't think is outrageous, but I don't think I'm calling for it to go to 30,000. Certainly it could go there, but I don't care because I'm not smart enough to tell you whether it's worth 30,000, 40,000, 60,000. I do believe that it's so cheap right now based on both the value of Bitcoin as default insurance using um, using, uh, credit default swaps. I wrote that paper for Bitcoin magazine or my price target of two million US dollars for Bitcoin in today's dollars. Both of them make Bitcoin look stupid cheap and you're not supposed to determine or try and figure out why the market is keeping it stupid cheap. You're supposed to laugh to yourself and giggle and say, thank you, Mr. Market, because I need to accumulate a full position of Bitcoin. And that full position doesn't mean 100% exposure to me. I don't think it means 100% exposure to Jeff either, but some Bitcoin maxis are 100% in. And if that's how you want to manage your risk, go for it. I am personally around 40%. And all I know is 40%, if Bitcoin goes to the price I think it is, gonna go to, my kids are gonna be fine and that's all I really care about. I'm doing this on a 20 year time horizon. I'm not trying to figure out the daily machinations. All I know is Fed is currently walking Bitcoin much more towards my price target because the probability of them having to go to QE infinity increases daily as the markets react as they are acting.
2: Totally agree q do you have anything you you want or you, I can jump in here too but if you have more questions let's go for it
0: uh, I have one question for the both of you but I'll save it to the end like keep ignore me I'm just here to look pretty I'm okay okay listen. yeah you
2: keep you keep looking pretty so so I'll just jump on to what Foss just said then too like you guys we talk about Bitcoin price action all the time people ask me about that kind of thing I just want you to quit focusing on that And this is for people in the audience like short-term price action just simply doesn't matter bitcoin is savings technology it's literally the world's greatest savings technology that's ever been invented it is for savings like you don't trade your checking account you don't trade your savings account you just try to add to it and increase it as possible So the only reason I ever talk about things like price action is because if it were to dip, that's when I talk about, I want to back up the truck and buy even more. Because when you know, like we're here in 2022, and we know that by 2030, 2035, it's going to be somewhere up here. These little tiny moves just simply don't matter. What you need to be doing is you need to be figuring out a plan for accumulating for yourself and for your family. The best way to do it, the easiest way to do it, as Greg mentioned, is the dollar cost average. Just set it and forget it right pick some amount that you can afford and put whatever that is into into bitcoin every day or every week or every month there's tons of ways you can do that you can do it easily on swan you can do it easily on strike and there's a tons tons of other ways to do that so just figure out what bitcoin is think of it as insurance for this uh, collapsing system don't just think about it like it's some investment that's going to go to the moon I get that. That's how I came into this space way back in 2016 was I looked at the Sharp ratio and I saw that, yes, it's volatile, but it tends to be uh, more volatile to the upside so you can improve your investment returns. But people in th- like uh, developing nations that have currencies that are constantly debasing, they're hyperinflating, they're losing their purchasing power day after day and year after year, they fundamentally understand what Bitcoin is. They understand what it means to have an absolutely scarce asset that you just cannot jump in there with a bunch of cronies and say, hey, we're gonna print uh, 10X the amount that we have currently. We're gonna debase our nation at the benefit of us, the government cronies at the top. You can't do that with Bitcoin. That's what makes it so beautiful. That's what makes it social justice for the world. It makes it fair for the world. What's cool about Bitcoin is it's literally going to force an honest unit of accounting onto the world's governments, whether they want to or not. It's going to force an honest unit of accounting onto huge investment banks and onto Wall Street. They hate that. They know that it's coming. The ones who are smart enough, like the Jamie Diamonds, uh, who have studied a little bit and who came out just vehemently opposed to it. They're opposed to it because they know that it puts it shines a light into their dark corner. They can't do these things that they do anymore to, to, to get ahead of everybody else, to make their millions and billions of dollars. They have to actually do work. They have to do a proof of work. They have to show their work in order to earn Bitcoin. Uh, and that's what's fair for the world, right? If you're willing to put time and effort in and sweat a little bit, you can start stacking sats yourself, even if it's just a minimal amount of sats right now, you're making a better future for yourself and for your family and for future generations just by doing that. Because Bitcoin preserves and appreciates your store of value over time uh, and across the world. And so that's just what makes it just a far superior money. I love it. I can't stop talking about it. Um, I'll stop there.
1: And so to add to that, uh, you know, you mentioned the volatility Yeah, volatility works in both directions, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. You can have a volatile asset uh, as it goes up in price. Like, here's the funny thing. I, I hope you guys imagine, understand this statistic, but on my screen, what is the, what is the volatility of a straight line? Assuming this is a price and time chart of a straight line that goes from the top left to the bottom, right? What is the volatility of that? It's zero right? It's absolutely got no volatility. But are you happy owning that asset? Fuck no. It's gone from this price down to this price. But according to mathematics, using volatility as your risk metric, it's not risky. Okay. Vol is defined as standard deviation of returns. And it's been accepted as a risk measure on Wall Street. It's, uh, it's value at risk, it's all these risk measures that uh, the Wall Street banks use to, to calculate the, uh, the pools of risk that the, the bank is, is having. Some of them make sense, some of them don't. Again, I'll, I'll point out the volatility of something going from the top left to the lower right in a straight line has zero vol. And the p on that position, you don't want to be the trader that owns that in a long position. You'd like to be short it, but you wouldn't want to be long it. At the end of the day though, vol is an accepted measure. So Bill Miller, very smart asset manager, comes out who supports Bitcoin. I think he has 50% of his net worth in Bitcoin. He goes, volatility is the price of return. Okay. So that's another way of looking at it. Okay. Something that is sawtooth like this, but is going from the lower left to the top right is volatile and therefore risky. But look, the line is like this. That's what you got to look at. And then you turn it into log scales, like that's a smart way of looking at things as well. And people should get comfort. The wrong answer is owning zero Bitcoin. The really wrong answer is being short Bitcoin, but God, I don't need to go into that anymore. Effectively, if you are own zero Bitcoin, you are very irresponsibly short. The uh, most important risk or insurance contract you'll ever see in your life Uh, I believe it's the best asymmetric return opportunity I've ever seen. And why can I say that? I'm 58 fucking years old. I'm not a 24-year-old kid that has just stumbled upon this thing, okay? I've lived in the trenches for 30-plus years. So I can say it. And all due respect to the younger kids that are 20 years old and knocking it out of the park with their analysis, dude, you got to sweat it. You got to sit in a wrist chair where your sphincter is so fucking tight you've never (laughs) in your life felt The pressure of managing money until you see the opportunity that this presents okay so you got to get a tight sphincter at least three times in your life over managing money until you can come out and say it's the best asymmetric return opportunity you've ever seen so with all due respect if you're 20 years old you have not done that doesn't mean you're not super smart and adding value to our ecosystem i'll just finish my little pitch on this basis listen to guys like bill miller listen to guys like Orlando Bravo, listen to guys like Marcelo Clore. These are people who are equally as successful as Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett, but have also done the work and have come at it from a different angle. Okay, you can reduce your portfolio risk overall by putting Bitcoin into your portfolio, especially when bonds are providing no balancing against equity market drawdowns. This is the first time in history that the NASDAQ has been down double digits and the long bond has also been down double digits in one quarter. There is no risk absorber in a market where interest rates are under pressure to increase and there's no room to bring them down again. Okay, It's been an ugly, ugly quarter for the 60-40 portfolio, 60% debt, for, excuse me, 60% equities, 40% bonds. Um, there's also a, a rule of thumb that whatever your age is, that's how much bonds you should own in your portfolio. So someone who's 80 years old is supposed to have 80% of their portfolio on bonds. Guess what? Bonds are getting crushed. They're down 10%. Your portfolio just got rinsed, okay? You're getting rinsed and you're in these safe assets. No, no, no. Look outside the box of the last... 40 years, look to Bitcoin, understand the diversification benefits of Bitcoin, not diversification, diversification. Diversifying is buying, selling one tech stock and buying another tech stock, okay? They're all getting hit by the same risk off beta, uh, market beta and everything like that. Models break down because people want their money back. Okay, so, Jeff, wise advice. You know, we have a lot of pretty smart people in the Bitcoin community. What you need to do is lower your time preference, extend your understanding that you are reducing risk by putting Bitcoin in your portfolio. And I use this line at the at the Bitcoin conference. I got to say it again. When I orange pill someone and they decide to get up to the 5% allocation in their portfolio, it's like they forgot what the other 95% of their portfolio Mm -hmm. is. And they're focused just on this 5% little nugget. Focus on the donut. Don't focus on the hole, okay? Understand that Bitcoin is a donut that people can always poke a hole in, oh, it's too volatile, oh, the blockchain could break, oh, you know, governments can ban it. You know what? Zero probability events, they are not, but they're low probability so that you should focus on the donut, not focus on the hole. The hole is the tail risk, okay? Now, what you need to understand is it's a probability distribution. Any risk investment is a probability distribution and you tend to play probabilities. That's the way you survive in the risk markets. My tagline, all I bring to the table is 35 years of mistakes, right? Like I've been doing this for 35 years, Trust me, I've made my share of mistakes, but you learn to protect your winners and shed your losers. That's the only way you can survive. So play probability distributions. I need to end on this or, you know, we're getting close. I know Q has a question. My, my final dissertation, my price target for Bitcoin is $2 million US per Bitcoin in today's dollars. And the market is trading somewhere around 40,000 in today's dollars. Forty thousand divided by two million is one in fifty, which means the market is giving me a two percent chance I'm right, and I'm not a hundred percent certain I'm right. But man, oh man, am I more than two percent certain I'm right? So it's like going to the racetrack. I think I might have said this with you as well, Q. In, in, in go the, the 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 racetrack is giving you crazy good odds uh, in your favor, crazy stupid odds in their favor. You're supposed to buy those odds and while well, you're not 100% certain there is one thing i am 100% certain of fiat money will continue to debase on an accelerated basis because that's pure mathematics especially when your global gdp is shrinking and your numerator which is global debt is increasing because you have politicians who don't understand math and you know in confession justin trudeau in canada came out and said he's never been very good at math okay We should actually have a a restriction for politicians who are not good at math. That will never happen. But it's like saying, oh, it's not his fault. Well, fuck you. It's not his fault. You voted him in an office. If you go to a surgeon who has horrible eyesight and you ask that surgeon to operate on you, you're supposed to get what you, uh, you know, the risk. You don't hire surgeons with shaky hands and poor eyesights. You know, in similar light, you shouldn't hire politicians that say stuff like the budgetal balance itself, et cetera. So over to UQ, mathematics runs the world. Math is the base layer of language. Understand what that means. Regardless of what your mother tongue is, everyone understands math. If you speak Chinese, if you speak English, if you speak Spanish, you can't speak to each other, but you all understand the same mathematics, okay? Math is the base layer of language. Bitcoin is the base layer of monetary energy, which is math plus code. It's the most beautiful technology I've ever seen in my life. Go and watch the blockchain in action. If you are visually, uh, you know, if you're visually stimulated, I was a, a a Bitcoin skeptic until I actually watched the blockchain in action, and I'm like, are you kidding me? As an engineer, this is beautiful, and no one controls it, and it's truly decentralized. Over to you, Q.
0: Sorry, I just wanted to remind everyone that, yes, I can see past my giant ass nose. So thanks for pointing that out, Jim Johnson. Um, (laughs) I do want to, like, honestly, there's nothing more I could really add to this conversation other than to be the contrarian asshole that I am. So I don't agree with the notion of inflation. Um, I don't think it's transitory and I don't think it's going away anytime soon my thesis on this is we have not yet felt the effects of high energy in our goods and services. We've seen high energy costs, but that hasn't translated and trickled into everything else. So I actually think we are going to be seeing a genuinely reported inflation number as far as consumer price index goes in double digits. I know both of you have kind of said your expectations are not that. Where or what is are you drawing on to make yourselves to draw that conclusion
2: uh, i'll jump in here quick so so the two biggest factors in how uh the government comes up with the actual cpi number are housing and transportation and so what does that mean so housing basically what's happening are people buying houses are they not um, what are housing prices doing what are rents doing those kind of things um, are people applying for new mortgage applications or are they not transportation what are the new car prices doing? What are used car prices doing? What is the price of oil doing and gasoline? All of those things. So if you look across the board at basically all of those uh, factors I just mentioned, almost all of them have peaked and are significantly down. If you look at what the banks are talking about, new mortgage applications, JP Morgan reported this a couple of weeks ago, way down. Um, uh, Refinances are way down. New housing applications are way down. Um, Housing prices are a lagging indicator, but they will come down when mortgage rates go up for every 1% that the 30 year fixed rate mortgage goes up, the affordability of the house you can buy drops by 10%. So here in the U.S., we've basically gone from 3 to 5% for the 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. That means people, even just from six months ago, can now officially afford to buy 20% less of a house. So if they were looking at a $500,000 house at a 3% fixed rate mortgage, now that it's at a 5% fixed rate mortgage, they can only afford a $400,000 house based on their monthly payments. That has a significant impact. So that will for sure cool off the housing market. The Fed knows that they've actually hinted at that and they are actually trying to do that to slow down the economy, to slow down to rein in inflation. Oil, as we all know, peaked up around $130 per barrel. Now it's down to about, what, 105 102 somewhere in that range right now that has come down substantially about 25%. The world runs on oil um, and gasoline prices. When they get too high, that causes demand destruction because people who drive trucks, who do you know use transportation, they, they have to either, they have to make the decision, do we keep doing what we're doing and actually lose money because of the input costs or do we just kind of stop doing this for now and wait for prices to cool off? So as they say in the commodity world, high prices fix high prices, right? That's the solution for high prices is you just need high prices and that kind of shuts down demand prices drop because of that. Those are the things that I look at. Uh, Food costs, which most people bring up to me as the reason why they think that um, uh, inflation is gonna continue to rise, that's a distant third when it comes into the CPI calculation. And so yes, I agree that food prices are still high and some of them are even rising. Um, Although some of those are debatable because some of those base prices are actually down uh, recently. Even if that is higher, it has to outweigh the the dropping transportation uh, sector costs and the dropping housing sector costs. So that's my answer. That's why I think that even if we do have a relatively high April CPI when it comes in, it will be at or near the peak. And then from there, and by the way, I'm not saying we get deflation. It's super important for people to get this. I'm not saying we're going to have deflation we're going to have disinflation. So if we were going 85 miles per hour down the highway in our car, all we're doing is taking our, our foot off the gas pedal a little bit and we're going to be going like 75 miles per hour. We're still cruising. We're going really fast. Inflation is still really high, but it's a little less than it was. So that's, that's what I'm saying. Greg, you probably have different thoughts. Cool.
1: I don't actually, and I couldn't say it any better. So I'm not going to expand it on that basis. Um, I I need you to understand that Q that uh, you know there's certain measurements and then there's the all important X food and energy uh, number. Uh, Look, if you don't need food and you don't need energy, uh, you're you're in good shape, right? Uh, Fuck off, okay? Like whoever came up with this basket X food and energy, you're you know, but that's the way they try and uh, and jawbone stuff as well or or change the mathematics. So here's what I want to point out at this point in time. Uh, it looks like vol is trying to contain itself going into the close here. Uh, that's a good sign for equity, you know, for markets, uh, because you don't want vol spiking to 80% annualized. Uh, the fed, you know, it's all about what happens on Tuesday afternoon, not just what happens, but how the markets respond to it. Okay. So it's, you know, turnaround Tuesdays tomorrow. I wouldn't, you know do a whole lot of thinking about it it's all about wednesday and then it's about the forward guidance about the dot plots if they even do that stuff anymore and and whatever but wednesday afternoon is going to be an incredibly important time in the markets um so the fed has a dual mandate right this is the crazy thing i mean and those two mandates are almost a direct opposite they need to control inflation and have full employment Well, you know, right now they're not controlling inflation. And if we head into a recession, uh, typically jobs don't do well in a recession. So, you know, they're gonna be failing on both mandates. I don't know what got into Jerome Powell's head, why he would ever accept the second term in that chair. The poor guy, like, I mean, he could have exited gracefully, but uh, perhaps no one else was smart. Uh, you know, he, he was the only one foolish enough to accept the second term. Anyone with a brain said, why would I want to sit in that chair? Like it's a it's an impossible that you lose on both ways you're not going to satisfy inflation and you're not going to have full employment. The two uh, you know, at best, you're going to come out one for two and you're probably going to go zero for two. Okay. How's that going to be as a legacy? I went over, I'm an offer. Well, I don't know, but all I can say is I really hope that people continue studying Bitcoin. They will benefit from conferences like uh, the Bitcoin conference. And here's my final pitch about what a great community, the Bitcoin community is. This was brought up by Jeff Booth and Preston Pish uh, uh, with me and I learned this, but I didn't, I, I didn't, I guess I didn't need to, to learn it, but it was pointed out by those two guys on a conference on a, a call with John Vallis. And we talked about what we learned at the conference. And one of the things that was very apparent to me was price was rarely discussed at the conference we were talking about a vision for the future and the people that are there generally are givers i've i've said this before bitcoiners have are people with big hearts they care about the future they are not conflicted like some of the other people i brought up in this call uh, already they have the best interests of their children in mind they are trying to develop a platform that will succeed that you can onboard the failures that will exist in the ethereum bitcoin uh, bl- rather the ethereum blockchain uh uh, uh ecosystem that uh, that jeff has mentioned i actually subscribe to the notion that ethereum is a test net for the bitcoin layer three anything that succeeds on ethereum will gravitate towards the most secure decentralized blockchain there is Yada, yada, yada. I don't want hate mail from Ethereum or meth heads. You guys are already fucking stoned, it's fine. Do whatever you wanna do. I want Bitcoin to succeed because it solves the Fiat Ponzi. No other digital asset does that. A price was not even discussed. What we're discussing is the platform that's gonna allow for the orderly transformation from the Fiat standard. Fiat can still exist as your checking account. Bitcoin is your savings account. It's your store of monetary energy. We want this to succeed. We do not want the USA to lose its position as the bastion of freedom in the world. I think Bitcoin is freedom. I think it is the best opportunity we have to solve some of the silliness that we are seeing going on within the central banking systems, including the mandates that are set up. The dual mandate from the Fed, whoever set that up, probably didn't think too far over their skis, because they are almost diametrically opposed to each other in the context of an inflationary environment that we have right now. So I guess it leaves us three minutes. Uh, I don't know how you saw these comments coming in uh, at Q, but if there's any FOSS haters out there in the comment section, I can't read them. And if you are a FOSS hater, um, I'm good with that. Okay, just understand, I'm trying to tell the truth. And I'm trying to tell the truth from the position of somebody who has sat in a risk chair for longer than most of you have been alive. Okay, and I'm not happy to be 58 years old, but I've seen some shit that there's no way you've seen it. And even more importantly, there's no way you even understand what it means when models break down. When you need to sell something because you're being redeemed, because your unit holders are demanding their cash back, you can't get fancy. You need to hit whatever bid is in the market. And in the case of the great financial crisis, there were times, I'm not kidding, that high-yield bonds were dropping by 20 points on a trade. So they were trading at 82. That's where you have the marked in your book. You need to hit a 60 bid to liquidate. And by the way, you don't sell everything that you have. You probably get off a couple of a million at 62. And then the next bid is 42. That's what happens in a liquidity unwind. And it's a horrible situation. And you feel sick to your stomach. And I already mentioned the sphincter valve, okay? Your sphincter valve is so tight. You can't even go home and enjoy a drink because the next day is going to be worse than the day you just went through. Good luck to you guys. I love America. I love Bitcoin Magazine. I love the Bitcoin community. And I accept all hate mail. It's fine. I'm just giving you my opinion.
0: Nothing but love for you, Foss. Nothing but love. Uh, Jeff, I'm going to let you have the final word after this very educational conversation. I mean, I, I genuinely have so much stuff that I need to look up uh, and I'm going to be studying after this, but Jeff final word to you.
2: I love it. I was uh, just, just really pleased to be on here with Greg. Greg is just a, a fountain of fantastic information. What I love about Greg is he's all about intellectual honesty Whether or not it rubs you the wrong way, it's kind of your problem. Right. I mean, we're just spewing what we think is the truth. And if you don't like it, that's okay. You know, we're going to keep doing it. So, Greg, you keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I know you got a few haters out there, but you have uh, most people who love what you do. So keep that up. I mean, you guys just just stay on the mission. You know, Bitcoin is here to change the world. It's simply better money. Um, getting full circle, Buffett, Munger, they don't understand it. And they probably never will, whether it's disingenuous, or they're stupid, or they're being actually evil, hard to say. That's, uh, you know, that's only they can know that. But um, understand what we're talking about, you guys, this is change the world technology. Um, Don't waste your time with other garbage. This is going to be a tough year. This is a great year for stacking sats continue to dollar cost average. You'll be really glad you did two, three, five, ten 10 years from now. So um, nothing more to add to that. Thanks for having me on today.
0: Both of you as always are welcome. Anytime you guys want to come on the show, heck, as far as I was concerned for the last hour and a half, this was the Greg and Jeff show. I had nothing to do with it. So I had an absolute blast listening and viewing this. And I hope everyone else who is at home or is listening to this later on also had just as much fun. Um, obviously it's Foss, at Foss, Greg Foss, which I just realized today was, I think, you alluding to James Bond. And then they'll uh, I, I can
1: say why I'm, I'm so old geez. that I, I got names suggested to me by Twitter, right? I, I had no idea what a Twitter handle was. So I joined Twitter and I tried to join as Greg Foss and they go, that one's taken, but here's another suggestion at Foss Greg Foss. And I said, it doesn't matter. I'm never going to get any Twitter followers. So I'll just take <laughs> that one called at Foss Greg Foss. So I took it and then now I can't change it because it does you know resonate. It's 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 it's, it's four letters, four letters, four letters. This is what all the people out there who are getting scammed by the Greg Foss impersonators. I'm mathematically inclined. I like the symmetry of four, four and four. Okay. Um, it's like the guy I found today, he has the Fibonacci sequence in his, in his Twitter's handle. And I'm like, dude, I'm following you. I don't care. Anyone who puts the Fibonacci sequence as his Twitter, uh, uh not, uh, at handle but the one that describes whatever you are he had the fibonacci sequence there there are so many smart people in this community and this is you know without you know i'm i'm jumping the gun we're we are done thank you for having me Uh, Q and Chris and the team, you're doing God's work by getting this information and education out there because that's what the people need to hear. It's truth, okay? And you guys got to understand that guys like Jeff and I have a a level of experience that we've just lived through. And hopefully our education is because we want to help you guys succeed and, uh, and, and that's because I have three children and this is why it's so important. So thank you particularly that Bitcoin conference was off the charts. Great. Um, And it was great because of the people who were there and that's what the Bitcoin community is. So buckle down. It could get ugly. Understand that, uh, you know, you don't want it to get ugly, but it gets ugly quickly. Risk happens fast. Okay. That's what you need to understand. Risk happens fast. And Be careful what you wish for. I don't want to live in a citadel. I actually want to solve this problem so that there's an orderly transformation uh, for the benefit of my children. I'm, uh, you know, the boomer society, we're pretty selfish, but there are some boomers who actually want to leave the world a better place than when they entered it. Uh, That's what Bitcoin helps us do. So uh, yeah, Bitcoin Magazine, David Bailey, his mom, uh, you know, she gave me a hug. Uh, Michael Saylor gave me a hug. That doesn't happen to a guy that names himself Foss, Greg Foss without being so silly that, uh, you know, he was never going to end. And so good things are happening to me. And I thank you guys all for it. Thanks again.
0: Of course, man. Uh, And then of course, Dr. Jeff Ross at Vail Shire Cap. If you're not following these two, you're just doing it wrong. So obviously give them a follow. And you know what? I'm going to make the executive decision now that I've hijacked my show back to say, use promo code FOMO, get 10% off the conference Store, and we'll be back tomorrow. That's a wrap.